welcome to the Family Law Now podcast. We're going to talk about divorce help today. I'm really excited about this uh, topic. It's something new that we've been working on for some time. We've had some great success uh, selling the terms of a family's divorce in under seven days. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, however, this is be being recorded mid-May 2020. Uh, I've got the Elvis pork chop sideburns going on. I think Jarrett's sporting the same. Uh, let's get a quick peek, Jarrett. <laughs> With the mullet. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't feel badly, Jared. You can probably see the bowl outline on the side of my head. Yeah. <laughs> so family court, courts are closed with the exception of very limited emergency cases um, that are being dealt with by way of email or telephone conference. It's unlikely the courts are going to open for some time. Our best guess right now would be July 2020. I'm not very optimistic we're going to meet that deadline. New matters are being delayed for extended periods of time. I heard a client tell me that uh, support staff at the court were saying, don't expect to see a judge until January of 2021. Um, the system's backlog, we've got all the cases that have been adjourned or put on hold. And we've got a bunch of people waiting to access the court system. So even before the pandemic uh, came to North America, we were plagued by delays, often waiting several months to get a chance to see a judge to deal with a family law matter. Uh, we're now seeing more couples are determined to be key players in the planning and the settlement process. And this ties in neatly with what we developed here today, which we're calling divorce help. Uh, before we take a deep dive, let's introduce our guests uh, with names, background, where their practices are located and uh, their experience with collaborative practice. We're going to talk about collaborative practice briefly today. Uh, perhaps you can start us off, John. Sure. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, my name is John Williamson, and uh, my practice is with a firm called Fairmore Family Law Financial Solutions, located at Whitby, Ontario. Um, most of my career, I actually practiced as a lawyer. But for the past 10 years, I've retooled myself in some some interesting ways. I'm now a certified divorce financial analyst and I work with collaborative teams as a financial neutral. Thank you, John. Um, you want to go next, Alison? Sure. Hi, um, I'm Alison Gardner and I'm a social worker specializing working with separated and divorced families. I have a private practice providing services related to separation and divorce. I also work as a clinician with the Office of the Children Lawyer, and I am a family professional with the York Collaborative Law Practice. Thank you, Allison. And my practice is located in Markham. Jared, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm Jared Johnson. I'm with uh, a firm known as Scammell Johnson & Jeffries PC out of Lindsay, Ontario. I practice predominantly in family law. Uh, I was trained in the collaborative process back in 2013, I think that was, John. I can't uh, remember. I, yeah, we were the bike holders there, Jared. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoy that area of my practice. I do other areas, but, uh, but I, I find the collaborative practice the most rewarding part of, of uh, what I do. 
Yeah, I think everybody who's made what they call this paradigm shift to collaborative resolution would agree with you. Um, so we're about to get into divorce help. Uh, just give us a few more minutes before we get to the substance of this. I think for our listeners and our viewers, it's important to get a basic understanding of collaborative practice. That term may be foreign to a lot of our listeners. We have several blogs and podcasts and YouTube videos on this. So after we give you the introduction, if you want to make a deeper dive into collaborative practice, we have a lot of information available for you online. We've got programs called Runaway Train, where we focus on high conflict court cases how to pull them out of the court system and solve them using collaborative practice methods. We have a program called Saving the Golden Goose, where we focus on small and family-run businesses and helping them survive the divorce and the pandemic. Those are all online. So those take deeper dives into specific ways collaborative practice can be used to resolve disputes. In terms of a basic overview, the professionals and more specifically the lawyers agree not to go to court and they sign a contract saying they're going to try to resolve all matters outside the court system. That's a fairly fundamental principle of collaborative practice. Full disclosure is required from everyone participating, the two, the two spouses mainly. We focus on goals and interests rather than doing, doing a rights-based analysis, which is what you're going to get at most lawyers' offices. We require everyone to be civil and respectful of each other, including the two lawyers, which can be difficult at times. I'm sure Jarrett will attest, and then Allison has to jump in and uh, throw the white, give us each a red flag. Um, and best of all, we can be creative and flexible in the outcome. You go to court, the judge has a small box in terms of his options that are limited by his statutory powers or his or her inherent jurisdiction. When we do things collaboratively, we can think outside the box, come up with creative solutions, timetables, um, structures to the agreement that a court would not be able to consider. So John, can you give us some additional uh, tips about collaborative practice and also include the role of the financial and neutral in all this? Sure. Well, of course, a huge distinguishing feature of the collaborative process, aside from the fact that there's a contractual commitment not to use court process, is the fact that it's team-based. And so, in effect, you have your very own collaboratively trained lawyer for each spouse, as well as two and sometimes three neutrals, a family professional, a financial neutral, and sometimes also there's use made out of um, specialty skills, such as a business valuator, if a business is part of the overall family structure. So team-based is a, a, a huge differentiating factor for collaborative. And I like to say to clients that what collaborative does is it gives you exactly what you need in exactly the right sequence, in exactly the re re right require a, a recurring period of time, at exactly the right price for that particular skill. And that's a really different part of the collaborative process. Why a financial, why a financial neutral though, John? So a financial neutral really has two, two kind of roles to play in a collaborative team process. First of all, there's the gathering up and the collecting of all the financial disclosure that a family's life has, assets, 
debts, um, houses, cottages, pensions, all the bits and pieces. Because until we in fact have a complete picture of your financial circumstances, we don't have the ability to do the second part, which is to create options, financial options going forward that actually work for both spouses and their family. It also gets us off this merry-go-round of disclosure. Jared and I have had lots of files where we spend months chasing documents or trying to get information produced, uh, which really slows down the process and makes it more expensive. Um, it, it, indeed, and you're, you're also eliminating the duplication that comes from two right. different lawyers, like the same information from two different people at their rates. Exactly. You're having it collected by one person once, and it's our responsibility to help you reconcile differences of views as to what different things are. And again, we don't have, we like to say, we don't have a dog in this hunt. Right. We're neutrals. We don't act for one or the other. We're working for both of you to come up with a single integrated financial view. Now that can be handed over to your counsel and we're all working from the same script. And you're providing credibility to the data, right? You've got the supporting bank statement, the supporting document. You're just presenting the data. That's correct. I mean, not only do we have the um, financial disclosure documentation, but it's all backed up by, in effect, a brief of financial documents. And it's the same brief that we work with you with and the same brief that all members of the team work with. So again, we're saving time energy and cost by working off an agreed statement of financial fact. Great stuff. Jarrett, what can you add to our intro to collaborative and uh, what role do lawyers play in all this? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I get asked the most these days is, is probably files where, where people are wondering whether to use the collaborative process or not. One of the best components of collaborative process is the ability to mobilize quickly. And, and uh, you know, just tagging on from what John said, one, one of the things some of the financial professionals do, and I know John's done this, is, is even meet with, with parties uh, at the same time um, to collect that neutral financial disclosure that adds to that ability for the whole team to mobilize quickly. When it comes to the lawyer's role, um, you know, with courts shut down, we get a lot of calls saying, what do I do? There's, there's immediate concerns here. Um, I find in a lot of cases, nine out of 10 of the nine out of 10 issues can wait. Maybe that one out of 10 can't. And, uh, if you're able to pick up the phone, uh, call the other professionals, mobilize quickly and sort of wrap around that situation. Oftentimes we can resolve that one out of 10 and the nine out of 10 can run this regular course in the collaborative process. So. Uh, I think that's a, a big component of why collaborative process is growing, and especially during this, this COVID period. Right. And also, it's the only game in town right now. The courts are closed. Um, unless you have an extremely urgent parenting matter or something such as somebody not following safety protocols, uh, collaborative is really um, the best alternative. That's a great perspective. And I, and I also like to say to clients, unlike court-sponsored process, where a good part of the effort and work goes into the care and feeding of a largely uncaring court, at along timelines that the court establishes, collaborative has two real 
additional benefits. First of all, every dollar that is spent is spent advancing the case as you would want it. Mm -hmm. The second piece is the timelines are those that you and your spouse and the team set in terms of moving forward. We can go as fast or as slow as the clients need. Right. And that's exactly ties in neatly with this help concept that we're working on. Allison, can you give us um, your take on introducing collaborative and tell us a little bit about the role uh, that you play in these files? Sure. Um, what I wanted to highlight similar um, to whatever other parties have said is that certainly um, for me, what I like about it is that it is interest based and client centered. Um, what it's not, compared to some of the other processes that are out there, is it's not as intrusive, not as emotionally tasking, and not as financially tasking. Um, and it's driven by the clients and their needs, their interests, and what they are looking for. Um, so as a family professional, each one brings sort of their unique style, um, their experience, how they approach things, but there are common threads. Um, and the first thing that we're here to do is really hear and understand each person's story. What is their emotional journey? How they experience their separation? What are their interests? What's important to them in this process? You know, what are they looking for six months out, a year from now? Um, and that helps us to guide uh, the process that's, you know, designed and unique for them. Right. We also provide coaching um, to individuals as needed, resources, um, and one of the key um, you know, elements that we bring to this is that we work with people to discuss parenting issues and assist them to develop parenting plans. And these plans reflect their con concerns and their core interests and what they want that to look like. So the education and navigating the emotional journey, that happens throughout the process. Some people require more time with the family professional than other, depending on their narratives and what support they might require. Let's flesh that out a bit, because mm -hmm. <clears throat> telling your story, you know, is as important for many clients as the result. Mm -hmm. You go to court, you don't get to talk, your lawyers do the talking. You don't get to tell your story, you're, conference brief is going to be limited to four pages, uh, which is very difficult to get the salient points out. But you don't, you're not going to get it unless you have a trial, which will take two years and $30,000 or more. You don't get a chance to tell your story to the judge. And even at a trial, the judges want wants us to focus on specific issues. They don't want to hear the story. They don't want to hear how important the sports memorabilia was or how important this furniture is. Um, courts aren't going to deal with pots and pans. They, they're very focused, and rightly so, because there's limited resources. But maybe tell us a little bit about the value of understanding the client's worries and their stories and helping, out, helping the team understand what their interests are when we, do, what the client's interests are when we do that. Mm -hmm. So it helps to, to validate and understand um, where it is they are in this process. Um, that also ties into what John was saying in regards to pacing. How eager are they to participate and begin negotiating? Right. Um, that helps us to understand how to carve out the process when we do meet as a team. Look for um, 
you know, red flags that may come up? Do we need a break at times? Because this is a particularly emotional um, piece, a sensitive piece for a particular party. Um, and by telling their story, it helps me to understand what is the emotion that's perhaps driving that interest or, you know, from their perception, um, was there an incident that occurred that has led to their emotion or understanding of that that's leading into their interests, fears, or concerns that's really important to understand to help um, them to be able to identify their goals, generate options, and move forward. Yeah. And, lot, and we've all had these cases. I know Jared and I have had a lot where we think we settled and somebody says, well, there's just one more item, right? Mm-hmm. It might be the vacuum cleaner or something, right? Mm-hmm. But they haven't had a chance to tell their story. They want to continue with the fight. So, and it, and it may not them. be, a, yeah, and it may not be about the vacuum cleaner. That's right. 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 It's, 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 it's something connected. It's, it's the, something else. The person yeah. who wants the vacuum cleaner doesn't own any carpets, but, that's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the, the their inability to get their story out is preventing them from reaching resolution. Absolutely. And I think, I, I think Allison made a really good point because as soon as we bring in a person with Allison's skill into a team, we've moved from an adversarial legal process to a very human one. Right. And, and, and I like to say that what we do by building a team around a couple is we in fact create an engineered safety cage in which difficult things can be considered safely and people's full interests can be expressed and resolved by a diversity of skills. Right, yeah, no, that's a great point. So this is, again, a very broad stroke overview of collaborative practice. We've got lots of resources. They're gonna be in the show notes. Uh, they're, gonna be at the, they're gonna be on our um, podcast. So if you wanna take a deeper dive, Go to those resources, um, but let's move into divorce help. John, help us. So what's divorce help? What are we talking about here? Well, divorce help was really a response by uh, a group um, uh, of lawyers, family, and financial professionals who took a blank piece of paper and said, is there a way to do this even better for couples? And uh, Russell will describe the, 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 the profile and activities of the uh, Collaborative Practice Institute uh, better than I can. But it, it's, a, it's an acknowledgement of the fact that even in the best of times, separation and divorce is a journey that will impact well over 40% of Canadian families. Our experience is that every family comes to this process with a different narrative, as Allison noted. Unfortunately, some, because they're not aware of collaborative, are forced to endure the pain and the cost and the protracted process of having lawyers and family courts make big decisions about their future. Our response was to develop something we call HELP. It's an acronym for High Efficiency legal process. And Russell's going to smack me around because I, I always call it high expectation. Well, legal that, was, process. that was a big debate <laughs> at the Institute, right? Um, well, I got outvoted on that one, but I'm going to use it still. It was really, you know, the difference between efficiency and expectation is a subtle one. You know, efficiency, we're looking to give the clients a streamlined, efficient process. 
expectation is that there's an expectation of not just your legal and collaborative team, but of the clients that they're going to step up to the plate and be prepared uh, to work efficiently. And that could be something as simple as producing the documents that we need, showing up to meetings on time, working with the parenting coordinator. But just by way of background, the Collaborative Practice Institute is a community of tra collaboratively trained lawyers, financial professionals, business evaluators, writers, educators, trainers, other service providers, everyone you see on our screen here today and who our guests are, are members of the Institute. So John, let's take a deeper dive about mm -hmm. divorce help. What can you tell us? Okay, so really what we're talking about, and you've heard some of these themes expressed already this afternoon, it's a client-centered multidisciplinary team and it offers legal, financial, and family counseling expertise, really focused on the individual needs of your family. It's collegial. It's not an adversarial process at all. We come at it with a planning mindset on helping both spouses identify and achieve what they say are their most important goals and interests. Our task is to come up with wise, sustainable agreements that work in the real world. We do that by using pretty robust, fact-based, transparent financials. Uh, we want to create options and ideas that make sense to you and ones that you understand. We want to preserve what you have built together in your married life. And we want to ensure that these options that you agree to are tested so that we anticipate most of the kind of surprises that can come up in the future. Most importantly, we have experienced parenting coordinators who can act as both counsel and subject matter experts as you work your way through the parenting agreements. And Alison will talk more about that. Yeah. Can you talk, talk a little bit about the roadmap clients can expect, Jared? Yeah. Um, the, um, with this process, uh, what we're hoping for is there's going to be um, clear direction. Um, and in, in terms of clear direction, um, and John touched on this is, is um, keeping accountability uh, every step of the way. I think the one thing collaborative process in general and the one thing uh, help uh, offers clients that maybe other process options don't is uh, one transparency and, and secondly accountability. There's, there's a high level of mutual expectation, not only on the clients, but also on the professionals that are involved. Um, and, um, you know, we've all experienced on files, there's going to be bumps, uh, and an example of a bump is we try to set out timelines, uh, for information collection. Um, and, you know, everyone leaves the, these meetings with expectations on themselves, uh, as well as expectations on the other individuals involved. Uh, sometimes the bump is one of the people involved, professional or client, um, hasn't hasn't provided uh, a certain piece of information or hasn't hasn't um, necessarily kept to a timeline that was imposed or something like that that's really what sets this process apart is that the professionals can rally around that bump uh, 
and get things back on track because of that level of accountability between the professionals, between the clients, the, the mutual respect and expectations that are held in this process. Um, that leads to the efficiency, Russ, versus expectation that, that you two were, were discussing. Um, and um, that, that takes patience, it takes support. Clients are always, always reaching out to, to counsel, uh, to assist them in navigating. Uh, you know, he hasn't provided that document we asked him to, what do I do? Um, well, we pick up the phone. We talk to the other professionals, we rally around that bump and get things back on track. And, that, and you don't necessarily see that in traditional process. You don't necessarily see that at court, uh, but you do see it in this process because we're accountable to each other. Right, great stuff. So Allison, who are the right clients for divorce help? What parents or families do you think would be best suited for this approach? Or not best suited? Yeah, so, so this process is not suitable for all um, families because every process needs to lend itself to your family and your dynamics. So because this is a efficient, um, fairly quick, speedy process, it's not a great fit for families with deep-rooted conflict, which as the family professional, um, when we are screening in our initial intakes, is something that we always would um, ascertain and explore with each party um, prior to engaging in this process. If there's um, intense imbalances and power dynamics, you know, they require um, a process that allots for more time and space to gain a better understanding of what's driving that conflict, to be able to move beyond some of the impasses that you may not always have the time in this process because it is quite efficient. Who, we, who the clients um, and families who this is a great process for are those who are committed um, to have an efficient process or a level of efficiency um, and they're willing and prepared to collaborate with what I would call dignity. Um, and that's not to say at times that, um, you know, as a family professional, you don't have to um, intervene. Um, I sometimes like to call it play the conductor role. I'm not sure who's familiar with that. Um, but what I mean by that is if there's a louder voice um, in the room or on the screen in this case, seeing we're doing Zoom, that uh, sometimes it needs to be quieter. And if there's the quieter voice instrument in the room, sometimes it needs to be brought up a little bit. Um, but if the tensions in the system are very high and do require a deeper dive, this perhaps is not the best process. Yeah, and the divorce help team is looking for a commitment from the clients too. Uh, they can't just sit on their hands and expect things to settle overnight. They're going to have homework. They're going to have deadlines that they need to get um, information to the team. They're going to need to work with Allison or other family professionals offline to work on parenting issues or a parenting agreement. So let's do a case study. Uh, we've recently had some great success using divorce help. One caveat John mentioned that I think is important to note um, our ability to resolve matters quickly is subject in some families and circumstances to disclosure from third party institutions. So getting information from a bank or getting an investment statement or getting a pension valuation through the pension administrator 
may cause institutional delay uh, that would hinder you getting your final resolution. So if it takes us four weeks to get a pension report, we might be able to get 90% of your case resolved using divorce help. And then we plug in that data when we get the report from the pension administrator. But having said that, uh, we recently had a case that resolved from the date of our first phone call to the date that the, the terms of the divorce were resolved to the date that the agreement was executed electronically by DocuSign in under seven days which is really quite amazing. Part of the reason we were able to do that is using our technology to conduct remote collaborative Zoom meetings. And also because the lawyer schedules and the professional schedules had opened up a little bit. Um, this is at the beginning of the pandemic. We've, we had meetings being canceled. Um, emails weren't, and the phone calls weren't quite as, um, uh, rushing in as they usually would be. So we had a lot of flexibility at that time and most professionals still do. This is sort of the new normal for a lot of professionals. So this particular case, the, the couple were married for eight years. They were in their 50s. Uh, they're both earning in around uh, $50,000. I think the wife was a little bit under and the husband was a little bit over, older, over 50,000, sorry. Two children, five and seven. Uh, a number of assets, including a small business uh, that raised some legal issues that council needed to address, and a home that recently sold for in the neighborhood of $500,000. So that's the fact scenario. We get the call. Jarrett, you wanna start off in terms of what happens next? Yeah, um, it was a prototypical case that I think is suited for, for this process where the client had an idea of, of, of what they wanted to see happen. They had done some groundwork, right? They, they, that expression, they hit the ground running when they contacted the lawyers, uh, I think is fitting for, for, for this case study. Um, they were amicable, they were respectful, they were continued communication between themselves as well as with the professionals um, and um, I think that enabled efficiently. Um, am I frozen here? No, you're still going, we can see you. You're good. Okay, sorry. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we took it, we took it from there. They, they had sort of discussed options and that, that common expression. They just didn't know what they didn't know. So, right. uh, a lot of components of the settlement were just because they didn't know those options were yeah. You're freezing so up just a little bit, but they did have an Excel sheet. Kind of of, they did have an Excel sheet of data and they had seen a parenting uh, mediator to work on a draft parenting plan, but it wasn't quite finalized. Um, but you're right, Jared, they came right. in uh, having done their homework, uh, they, they knew enough to contact professionals. Um, the wife needed a properly executed separation agreement to finish the sale of the home she was buying. Uh, so they had a need, some urgency in terms of trying to get this resolved so they can both move on. So Allison, what, what can you tell us about communication and the drafts that the clients brought to you? 
So communication, um, how information shared is always a key component um, between the parties themselves, went offline as well um, between the team at large. Um, Jared's right, these uh, particular people were very amicable. They had a wonderful co-parenting um, relationship already in place. They were very respectful. Um, and during the meetings with myself, as well as in the team, they were really um, focused on future. Um, they did not get stuck in problem talk or blaming. They were really listening to one another, hearing what each other had to say, wanted to move forward and get the best possible resolution as possible with the team's assistance. Um, I think they were really committed to fleshing out options, choices, um, and really understanding before um, making any decisions. And they had a draft idea in terms of what parenting could look like, but it needed tweaking, it needed to be put together properly uh, mm -hmm. so it could be enforced later. Correct. Yes. I, I think, you know, when, when I first spoke with each of them, they felt that um, what they had was just fine. But as we began to have discussions around it and flesh it out a little bit more, there were some areas that they felt could be tweaked a little bit um, and adjusted to make it better suited for their current circumstances. Right. And in terms of the process, uh, Jared and I turned our uh, attention to ensuring that adequate financial disclosure uh, was put in place so that both parties can make an informed decision and, and receive the legal advice that they would receive in any process involving lawyers, uh, experienced family lawyers. Uh, we needed to arrange for executed financial statements to be exchanged and to be form part of the final agreement. Uh, which was a bit of a challenge in, at the initial stages of the pandemic uh, when people were still used to dealing with paper and sitting in an office with their lawyers. Uh, we implemented technology to enable us to do that. Also, we needed to prepare um, a package of information which is always required in that family property statement, which we can show to the clients how the sharing of property should occur, occur in accordance with the statute. A support advisory guideline and child support guidelines so they can be informed of those obligations. And those were exchanged in advance of the meetings. Uh, so the clients had the full legal framework in terms of making an informed decision. Uh, what, what kind of steps did you have to do with respect to the parenting plan, Allison? So in advance of the full team meetings, um, both parties worked with me um, in a three-way meeting to basically... So working um, offline from the full team. Working offline more from efficient. the full team. Right. Yes, it makes it more efficient. Um, they also were really open to um, looking for resources. You know, the AFCC has a wonderful um, resource online now for people to reference to understand the elements of the parenting plan, and what's they can the do AF, that. It, what's the AFCC for okay. those listeners who don't know what that acronym means? Go ahead, Russell. <laughs> I'm not going with that. Go ahead. You can explain that one. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry to throw um, you off. Yeah, so that's I said okay. I was going to throw you a curveball, right? I know. <laughs> um, 
so basically, um, when I when we would get together, as, as Jerry said, they'd have done a lot of their homework prior to even having their first um, meeting with myself, um, which was really nice. We were able to work from a strengths base and have open discussions around what's been working, um, where are your children at, tell me about your children, what are their needs, and what are the core interests that they're both bringing around their children, ensuring that the parenting plan that they wanted as of today to be part of this agreement reflected the best interest of their children. And they were both on the same page around that. Um, so doing that work prior to the full team meeting, by the time we got to the full team meeting, there was a draft of the parenting plan that they each had have reviewed and were comfortable with that. And this helps accelerate the efficiency of the process. And I think it also helps save time and expense. So if the lawyers were involved in that process, uh, the legal bill would have been higher. But because they were both paying you, Allison, one fee jointly and sharing that expense outside of the full team setting, not only did it make it more efficient, but I think the clients ended up saving a lot of money. Yes, and I think because they also um, did a lot of their own homework prior to meeting with me and were prepared to do that offline with, you know, not even when in meetings with me, that helps to keep the um, fees with me low. Great, great stuff. Jared, what about putting this agreement together? Uh, what can you tell us about how that came about? Yeah, um, we did it as efficiently as possible, which which means... We, we had worked with our clients individually to discuss options. We had then um, scheduled a group meeting to explore those options, to de develop some more options with counsel. And, and that's something about this process uh, as well that sort of separates it is, is, you know, the lawyers, you and I were throwing out options. The clients were throwing out options. Allison was throwing out options. So we, we were able to, explore some further options that the clients, some of them they were aware of, some of them they weren't aware of. And um, once they sort of moved into selecting the nuts and bolts of what they wanted to see as part of their resolution, um, we were able to then break, finish that group meeting. One office uh, could draft the full and comprehensive final agreement that included everything that arose uh, from their separation. Including uh, tax, all the supporting, state. all the supporting financial documents were included with that as well, right? That, that's right, and and that was very unique in the sense of one office, uh, your office in, in particular, was responsible for collecting and compiling using the forms that are required to be attached to the separation agreement, uh, and then and then my office was doing the the drafting in the meantime. Um, so we were sort of working in tandem to, to do it as efficiently as possible. And then we circled back. And then once there was a draft circulated, the clients got a copy, the professionals got a copy. Uh, everyone was able to review it, tweak it, get their hands in the clay. Uh, we were able to then meet again with a group Zoom, make sure everything was was to their liking. And, and then... Uh, and, and we were able to even um, make changes to the document uh, during the final group meeting. So Jared had pulled it up to his screen. And as we were reviewing it, we were changing certain provisions as required or requested by the clients. 
That's right. Uh, and yeah, we were able to go through with them section by section right on the screen. I think that was valuable to the clients and mm -hmm. seeing the creation of it and going through each section and fully understanding it. Every single section, they had an opportunity to ask questions, explore options, and then really it, we were able to fine tune it as we went through the document itself. And it's a good way to explore issue identification. You know, for young children, like they had, they may not have necessarily turned their mind to college or university expense and how that was going to be shared. So the lawyers were able to lay out several options for them. And it was like buying a car. The clients were able to tell us what their goals and interests were. And we tailored the document based on what they thought was important. Mm -hmm. And I think because it, it's because it, it's, it's the, you know, my feeling was that's a very client centered culture. It lends itself for the clients to be able to stop and ask questions and ask for clarification if they're not understanding to ensure that you know, their interests and needs and goals are being, um, as you say, accurately identified and met. And it can be overwhelming for a client to do it the traditional way. You hand them a 60-page document, ask them to read it, and then see what questions they have. Um, by going through it step-by-step step and discussing it as we progress, uh, they are able to get their thoughts out uh, almost at the same time that, the, that we're going through each section as opposed to saving all their thoughts up to the end and then maybe missing a few points. The only thing I'll add to that, Russ, is um, the other thing to point out is I think was helpful to the clients is sometimes people are uh, hesitant to ask questions when everyone is on a group Zoom, you, you know, sort of the thing uh, Allison spoke about, the loud voice and the quiet voice. Um, they're able to do that process in the group meeting but then before they signed anything, they still had an opportunity to just talk to their lawyer one-on-one, -on -one, yeah. go over things, make sure that they're fully aware of their rights and obligations under the agreement. And, and they still had that last opportunity to, to make sure uh, their voice was heard. Yeah, and receive private legal advice to ensure there wasn't yeah. any undue pressure or duress put on our clients and to ensure that all the safeguards were followed. That's a great summary, Jarrett, thank you. We also used a, a program called DocuSign to execute it, um, uh, which was really efficient as well. John, so what's the benefits of divorce help? What can you uh, bring this train into the station, so to speak, so people can understand who may not have been through this process before, they may not have gone to court for two years, they may not, you know, they may just have a kitchen table agreement they found on the internet and think that's good enough. What can you tell us about the benefits of this process? Well, perhaps um, a major unseen benefit that, that you never get credit for, but it is no less incredibly valuable to families. This process models the way you intend to go on in the sense that it relies on cooperation, it relies on transparency, it relies on problem solving skills, it relies on communication about what really means the most to you and why. And sometimes there's five whys to peel the onion to get to what the real core issue is. Um, it breaks a chain sometimes of pain that brought a couple to this process and starts a new process and hopefully a wise and sustainable agreement 
which is much more than a legal agreement. It is in fact a new operating model for your family going forward. And it's one that's been created by you, focused on what you see as most important with the benefit of an interdisciplinary, non-adversarial group of trusted advisors. That makes all the difference in the world. Great stuff. And it's in this particular case, it was very timely, under a week. And with the pandemic, it's a great opportunity to continue with your isolation and to stay safe. All this was done remotely. You didn't have to risk attending at a lawyer's office or some boardroom somewhere or uh, going out to the court system, which you couldn't in any event currently because it's closed. So I'm just going to canvas the group for some final thoughts. But thank you, everybody, for giving us your input. This has been a really fantastic uh, summary and a really innovative approach I think clients should take a, a serious look at. I want to thank our listener and guest, guest speakers, first of all. Uh, thank our viewers. If you like this uh, podcast or video, share it. We have a comment box at the bottom. You can leave your comments there. Any questions that you may have about divorce help or any other family re related issue, we're going to do a video at the end of each week answering every everybody's questions that we get. Uh, but let's canvas our uh, guests for some final thoughts. Can you start us off, Allison? Sure. So I really liked what you had to say, John. Um, and I guess what resonates for me really is that this promotes a client-centered culture, um, which lends itself to a tailored approach for the families, um, allowing them to be in the driver's seat. And that also lends itself to a fair um, process. It's supportive um, and often leading to healthier resolutions that the clients um, are able to live with. Great. Jared? Yeah, and um, just flowing from that, I think there's this overwhelming uh, fear in our community right now that people are stuck, maybe stagnant in the situation they're in, in their home. Um, I think it's important for our community members to know that there are options to move forward. There's options to get help. Um, they're not stagnant, they're not stuck. Um, pro lawyers, financial professionals, family professionals working uh, collaboratively working in this process are there to help reach out to them um, you know there's lots available and uh, as we just just talked about it, it can be actually more efficient than maybe the traditional ways of doing things so it's important for our community to know that great tips Jared thank you John marriages sometimes end but families are forever and so working as a litigator for most of my career I've seen the magic that a non-adversarial multidisciplinary process can generate. I, I heartily recommend people at least consider collaborative uh, in order to give yourself and your family the best winning conditions for your future. Great tips. So I want to thank John Williamson of Fairmore Financial, Jarrett Johnson, uh, sometimes called Boy Wonder of... Uh, Family Law in the Kawartha Lakes, Allison Gardner, our social worker and family neutral. That's fantastic input, everybody. I want to encourage uh, parents who are going through a separation or divorce to take a serious look at divorce help and the options 
this could present for you and your family. More importantly, I want to thank our listeners and our viewers today. Uh, thank you for joining us and everybody, please stay safe. Thank you, Russell.